0: Okay. Oh. I don't think I need this, but they want to tape it. So, but what you'll have to do is if you, if you get the tape, you're going to have to get the PowerPoint as well, okay, because you'll follow it with the PowerPoint. So what I'll do is I'm going to give the PowerPoint to Debbie, and so she'll have the PowerPoint. So if you want to get the tape and get the PowerPoint at the same time, put on disk for you, then you can at least follow it and give it to people. And distribute it freely. There's no copyright on my stuff. You can do with it what you want as long as you don't put your name to it. Okay, but And as long as you don't sell it and make lots of money. But uh, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me to come and talk. Um, I'm going to talk about addictions. Anybody addicted to something? You should all put your hands up because you're addicted to sin. You know that, eh? Yeah. You know, addiction is something that you do over and over again, compulsively. And sin is like that. All of us sin compulsively, so we're addicted in some way. We've got an addictive nature. So we're going to talk about breaking addictions and the control they have over our lives. And then I also just want to say that if you've got a question or if you've got a comment or you want to add something or if you want to disagree with what I have to say, feel free to do that, put your hand up. uh, I don't mind being interrupted while I speak. Okay, so if you've if you got something, if you want clarif- clarification or a point or whatever, then just do that. Okay, you can put up the slide. Okay, you're not born with your habits. You weave them and wear them. Your habits can be the rags of self-centered addictions or the rubs of Christ-centered self-control. There's a, there's a difference between uh, being controlled by our addictions and being controlled by Christ. And that's the journey that we're on. All of us are walking towards becoming controlled by Jesus. Every day we've got to surrender. Every day we've got to give up our desires, our, our self-centered ways of thinking, our self-centered ways of doing things. And so we want to become more and more surrendered to Jesus. Okay, next one. What is an addiction? Something that's not under your control, rather it controls you. You feel you have no choice but to do it, take it, behave like it. Once addicted, you're an automatic pilot. Who, who can... Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. If you've been addicted to something, no matter what it is, okay, and we're going, to talk, we're going to go through a list of addictions, because some of you are sitting here thinking, oh, I'm not addicted you know, to drugs and alcohol and stuff, but we'll talk about some addictions, you're going to get a surprise, because somewhere along the line, there's going to be something that you're addicted to. Okay, Next one. Something you turn to regularly when you want to numb out unpleasant feelings like boredom, loneliness, frustration, exhaustion, sadness. Anger, unhappiness, physical pain, rejection, jealousy, self-loathing, and failure. Okay, all addictions, all addictive behavior is escaping from something. Okay, so the big question you've got to ask yourself is what you're running away from? What you're trying to escape from? What you're trying to get away from? Because you're trying to get away from something. Now, you might not be able to say, oh, yes, I know what that is. We're going to go into some stuff now, which I can guarantee you will highlight, and the, the lights are going to go off in your head because they're going to highlight some stuff there, and you'll be able to say, okay, there we go. Because let me tell you something now. You, a, a lot of you will be trapped by your addiction. You've been trapped by your addiction for many years. But you know what? I've got good news for you now. That your addiction may not actually be the problem one of the first things that you learn in counseling training is that the presenting problem may not be the problem okay so in other words when a person comes to you with an issue whatever that issue is may not actually be the issue okay so you've got a problem with drugs or you've got a problem with but that may not even be the issue Now, the problem is that we focus on that, and we focus on getting you rid of uh, drugs and getting the alcohol out of you and all that kind of stuff. And that's all good and well. But if we don't actually deal with the root issue that's actually driving that, that's pushing you to behave in such a way, the thing that you're trying to hide away from or run away from or cover up, you're always going to go back to it. Okay. Next one. Definition, the involvement in use of a substance, a relationship, or activity to the exclusion of your responsibilities. Do you know that you can be addicted to relationships? You can be addicted to love. You can be addicted to sex. We all all think about all the the bad ones. We term bad Christians, you know. Drugs and alcohol and smoking and, and pornography. But what about work? What about exercise? What about looking good? And what about... Shopping and chocolate. (laughs) (sighs) There's some good addictions, eh? Uh, Coffee, eh? Man, I tell you, I'm addicted. Well, I, I went to the doctor about three years ago, and the doctor, I wasn't sleeping very well. So he said, do you drink coffee? I said, yes. How many cups? I said, six cups of coffee a day with two sugars. do you drink Coke? I said, yes, I do. How many, now I'm, I'm thinking, okay, now must I be honest with this doctor? Must I so I said, yes, I do, doctor, I drink quite a lot of Coke. How many, well, about three or four cans of Coke? <laughs> no, that was the truth. <laughs> and then he said to me, okay, well, there's your the thing, you need to stop doing that. Because that's what's causing you a problem, you know. So I stopped for six months. I stopped drinking coffee and Coke, just like that. I drank, You said, you can drink the odd cup of coffee like in the morning, have one cup. But don't drink anything later than three o'clock. So I did that. I stopped drinking coffee. I drank decaf coffee, which sucks. Uh, I tried uh, a, a Coke, what's that Coke light? Uh, not good. It's just terrible. It does nothing. So anyway, so I stopped, and I actually lost a bit of weight and stuff, but I'm, I'm happy to tell you that I'm back on three, <laughs> three cups of coffee a day and, and uh, not that many cokes. So I've cut down quite a bit. But it becomes an addiction, and it controls your life. And you know what? You get into such a rut that you can't function without it. And you don't realize that you're on autopilot. If you're feeling a little bit uh, flat, have a coke. And, and we, we, we disguise it and say, oh, no, I'm thirsty or I'm, I'm hot and Coke refreshes. Uh, you know, we need to strip away all those little layers that we, we use to mask our actual true desires and behavior. We need to be honest and say, I'm addicted to Coke. I'm addicted to whatever. And not run away and hide away from it. The, the only way, let me tell you something. The longer you keep something secret, the stronger the bondage. The minute you expose it to the light, it loses its power. So we need to create an environment in our church that is an open and honest and caring environment. So if someone says, brother, sister, I'm addicted to this, we say, come, let's pray. Let's do it. What do you need? Let's help you out. Go see a counselor or do whatever. Okay, next one. State of dependence caused by habitual use of drugs, alcohol, substances, characterized by uncontrolled craving, tolerance, and symptoms of withdrawal when access is denied. Habitual use produces changes in the body chemistry, and treatment must be geared to a gradual reduction in dosage. Now, we all know what, what uh, alcohol does to the body and, and how it, 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 we become addicted in drugs, and so you, you start off with one a uh, glass of wine and after six weeks it's three glasses or four glasses of wine to get the same high because it changes your brain chemistry okay now pornography does the same thing pornography does exactly the same thing to your brain chemistry that that drugs does okay you take cocaine gives you the same kind of high pornography does that too and your brain with pornography splits up into three little things okay you got the uh, unifocus that's one a eh? uni one your brain's neurological pathway split up. Okay. So you've got a person who's got a unifocus brain, is a a man who's never looked at pornography and never seen any stuff like that at all. So his first sexual experience is with his wife. So when you have that that first sexual experience, your mind, your brain photographs that and records it and stores it. So that whenever you see your wife walk in the door, stuff happens. Okay. Now, it doesn't mean that if a pretty, another pretty lady walks in that you, won't, you may not have the same kind of chemical reaction, but you won't be drawn to that person because your, your, your first love and your first experience with that will be for your wife. So that's a uni-focus. Then you've got the, the uh, dual focus, too. So your neurological pathway split up. Okay? Into two parts. That's a person, a guy who's looked at pornography, a little bit of pornography, and had a little, maybe one or two sexual experiences before. Then what happens is that they, they don't only um, look at the, he, their wife. The wife isn't the only thing that gives them se- sexual excitement or satisfaction. Anything else might. The problem comes in is that they start to objectify women. So women become objects of desire and become objects to, to please themselves. Okay, Then you get the trifocus where the brain splits up into three. And those are the hardest guys to deal with because their brain is so focused because they've been exposed to such a wide range of sexual activity. And it's very difficult to deal with those kind of guys. They need to actually be in treatment. So what I'm trying to tell you with all of this okay, is that often when you're dealing with an addiction like drugs or alcohol or pornography, sexual addiction, it's actually a brain issue. It's not just a biological issue. It's not just a physiological issue and it's not just a spiritual issue or an emotional issue. It's a brain thing. And so what we need to do is we need to help you get your brain back on track. And there's ways to do that. Because you see, drugs, every time you take a drug, every time you smoke a joint, it depletes your vitamin E in your brain. Okay? And it also takes away some of your, um, what are those amino acids in your brain? Okay, so an amino acid is like GABA. GABA is an amino acid, and GABA is the thing that makes you feel good. It relaxes you. If you take a tablet of GABA, you'll feel it'll, it'll adjust your mood and relax you, almost within a couple of minutes. Okay, now GABA is a natural thing, and your brain manufactures that. But when you take drugs and alcohol and stuff, it depletes that. Now GABA... Also, then produces serotonin, which produces melatonin. Serotonin is the thing that makes you feel good. Melatonin is the thing that makes you relaxed. Okay, that gets depleted in your brain. Okay, every time you take drugs and alcohol, it gets depleted. So your body, your brain cannot manufacture that stuff. So you go off the drugs and the alcohol, but you can't understand. You're anxious. You're moody. You're depressed. You're tired. Why? Because your body is depleted of those essential amino acids. So what is the answer? Go back on drugs. Huh? 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 Different type of drug, yes. You go into the natural cell. So you, you, your body naturally makes that. Okay. So what we do is we try and help your brain to start to reconfigure itself so that it naturally starts to make that stuff. Okay, that's, that's one of the ways that we can help. So it's not, just, it's not just saying to you, okay, listen, you need to stop your drugs. We can say, okay, well, we want you to do that, but we want you to take this amino acid, this multivitamin, some omega-3s to help you, some vitamin Cs and vitamin Ds. And then you take, uh, I can't remember the thing, but there's something that you take which helps the absorption of that into your body. Okay, and there's a, there's a thing called craving control which helps you to stop cr- the cravings inside. Okay. So that's one of the ways that you can help that. So it becomes a brain issue, not just uh, what we've been, how we've been dealing with it in the past. Next one. One man said addiction is an appetite that begs to be fed. It won't stop pleading until I satisfy it, and then it only silent for a while. Next. For sex addicts, pornographic videos, magazines, flirting, illicit affairs, involvement with prostitutes. Next one. For the food, it's certain kinds of food, such as sweets or eating in general. Gambler, it's betting on the horse or playing the slot machines. And for the spend, it's excitement, excessively buying clothes, tools, electronic gadgets. Hey? Guys, most guys are addicted to some kind of a thing. You've got to have the latest cell phone with all the gadgets. Do you know how it works? No, I don't know how it works, but i got it. Do you know, There's This Blackberry, I don't know what... Uh, but yeah, we've got it. Uh, and so when those things, we, we compulsively buy and we compulsively gamble and we compulsively, and we're just on this treadmill all the time. And God is trying to tell us to slow down, but we're not, we're not, we don't hear because we're too busy. Next one. Okay, there you are. Potential addictions gambling, smoking, love, food, sports, sex, pornography, looking good, running, overworking, romance, money, shopping, TV, videos, drugs, fantasizing, masturbation, caffeine, alcohol, solvents, dieting. And you could probably add some there to it. Now, not all of those are addictive, okay? But they, that's why I say they're potential addictions. Because anytime you are using something to numb out the pain, to block it out, it's an addiction. doesn't matter what it is. Food is good. Sex is great. In the right place. Sport is fantastic. TV is okay. Videos, dr- not drugs, romance. <laughs> okay. So, so a lot of those things are, are, are good and healthy in the right place. But the minute we start using... Now, this is what we do. All of those things are used to meet a need inside of us. Okay? We're going to see it just now. We've got different needs that we need to satisfy. And those needs are legitimate needs. They're real needs, and they need to be satisfied in the right way. Okay? The problem is that we meet legitimate needs in illegitimate ways. So anytime you try and meet a need that can only be met through God, you're sinning, and it can become addictive. Okay, so anytime time there's an, there's a desire to meet a need, to run away from something, to hide away. Now you might be saying, "Well, I, how do you add, how do you find that out? How do you kind of work that out?" Well, look at your behavior. If you if you look at the, your your behavioral pattern over the past couple of months, how often has that particular thing cropped up? How often have you felt the need to go and shop and buy stuff, or smoked or drank coffee or whatever, whatever your compulsion is, what is it that is is cropping up all the time? And if I say to you for the next week don't do that. For one week don't go and buy that item that you think you need, that power drill or that, that power whatever that makes you feel like something's happening don't do it for the next week or two and if you can do that without feeling that compulsion and that, that uneasy feeling that I need to be doing that now the problem comes in here is we switch addictions we, we, we're very clever <laughs> human beings we will meet the need that is inside of us no matter what it takes, even to the detriment of our relationships, of our life, everything else. Why do we take drugs and alcohol? We know it's going to kill us, but we still do it. Why do we have sex without condoms? We know that there's HIV, but we still do it. It's a compulsion that drives us. So you say, okay, well, I'm not going to do that, but then you switch addictions. Your addictive behavior change. you got an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. The majority of the time, none of them are drinking alcohol, but all of them smoke. And they drink caffeine. So what have they done? They've switched addictions. Why does that happen? It's because you haven't got to the root cause. You're just dealing with the fruit that's out there, the addiction that you see. Oh, drugs or alcohol or whatever. Next. In my experience, all addictions strive towards one thing, the complete destruction of the addict. Your addiction will kill you. It'll destroy you. And you know why? Because the the master addict is behind it. To steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his, uh, that's his thing. The devil wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life no matter what it takes. And addiction is the best way to do it. Because, I mean, you look at all of those addictions there. The majority of that stuff is lacquer to do. Too lacquer. Exactly. Why, why do you think we keep on sinning? Because sin is nice. I mean, if the devil came and and put something ugly and horrible and terrible, if he revealed his true colors, none of us would do We'd all run like crazy because he's terrifying and horrible and ugly. And sin is terrible and dirty and pathetic. But yet he clothes it in this beautiful stuff. Lovely glossy magazines and we look at the fair lady and the cosmopolitan and I want to be like that girl and I want to be like that that guy, men's health magazine. Why do they always put these guys with six packs? Uh, you know. I mean, how many of you have actually seen a guy like it walking down the street? We never see guys like it. We all see guys like myself. They should have a men's health magazine for guys like me, you know? <laughs> I don't think anybody would buy it, but hey, I'd be on the cover. Oh, <laughs> they've got all nice hair and, you know, nice smooth skin. And you look at that and you think, Yo, oh, man, I, oh, what, what do I need to do to get a body like that? <laughs> You're right. Eh? And anyway, but, anyway, but you, know, you see what I'm saying is that it, it lures us in. Sin is beautiful. It's attractive. And it makes us want to do it. Next one. Keep on going. Okay, yes addiction treadmill, just keep on going. Feel good, come down. Feel bad, use addiction. Feel good, come down, feel bad, use addiction, and we get into that treadmill. Okay, think about if you're addicted to relationships. That's what happens. You get into this relationship cycle. It's an addictive cycle. You find you, you counsel some, some woman that, that they've been in relationship after relationship after relationship, and it's got the same pattern. Destructive men, angry men, abusive men, and they can't get out of that cycle. They just keep on going, and they keep on going. And what we need to do is we need to break into that cycle. Overlapping addictions keep on going. Chemical, emotional, and you've got the overlap in between there. See, there's the difficulties that some addictions are chemical. They're chemical in nature. So drugs, alcohol, sex is a bit of both. Okay, there's a, a huge overlap with sex. But sex is a chemical, uh, can be a chemical addiction as well as an emotional addiction and a physical addiction. Okay. And there's a spiritual stronghold that comes with that. Okay. Because every time you sleep around with someone, you're forming a soul tie. Okay which is probably perpetuating a generational cycle that's come down through your family line, which you need to break. And if you don't break that, you're going to perpetuate it down into your line. And so often what people say to me is that if I say to them, okay, well, you know, my son, they say my son's addicted to drugs. So he's got a problem with drugs or alcohol or whatever. I so, say, okay, well, have you got a problem with drugs? Anybody in your family? No. No one in my family line is addicted to drugs or alcohol. And then they think that it can't be a, a generational curse because we think, well, generational curses will be, there must be some kind of alcohol somewhere or there must be some kind of drug somewhere. You say, no, not necessarily. Because you see, it's, that, that's, the, that's the problem that we've got, you see. Because we focus on the drugs, we focus on the alcohol, we focus on the name, we focus on the object. But actually, it's not the drugs or the alcohol that's the issue. It's the addictive nature of whatever it is. So the question is not uh, do you have drugs or alcohol in your family line, but do you have addictive patterns in your line? Because if you think about that, all of us have to say yes. Somewhere along the line, our parents or grandparents have been addicted to something. And if any one of you say, no, 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 I'll spend a couple of minutes with you and I'll, I'll, I'll show you that there's an addictive somewhere along the line. That's come down. Because if you are if you are addicted to something now, it doesn't always mean that it's a generational line, but 90% of the time there's a connection. And that needs to be broken. One of the first things we need to do is break that generational thing. So there's no more ties. Because we've got to say it stops with me. I'm not going to pass it on to my kids. So the stuff that I've had to deal with, the rejection I suffered as a child, the pornography I was involved in, the stuff that came down from my dad's line, the addictive nature that comes down from my mom's line, it's it's culminating with me, and this is where it stops. It's not going to be passed on. I'm going to break that generational stuff. My kids aren't going to be addicted. They're not going to have those problems. Yeah. Look, I think that um, that breaking it now will break it in her. It's, it, uh, so, so you've so you've broken it too late to stop it from happening. Okay. So it's gone through, and now it's 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 bearing its fruit. But you can still break it, and and so that it stops in her life. And that addiction pattern is broken in her life, so she stops using alcohol. She doesn't get the craving anymore. You can break that desire, break that craving, and everything like that. Yes. Yeah. You've broken it over yourself, but you broke it too late. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I th- of your kids. Uh, yeah. Well, I think there's, there, there's a couple of ways to do it. Okay? You can go for deliverance if you want. That's one way. If you know a a person who who has got a deliverance ministry, it's a good way to go. But then also one of the ways is to just pray over yourself and over your family and to pray the prayers from Scripture that I I just come against it in the name of Jesus Christ. I plead the blood. I apply the blood of Jesus Christ upon my life, upon my past generations. I break any ties. I sever those ties. I destroy those ties. I tear down every stronghold, and I break it in the name of Jesus, and it's gone. And I refuse to have it as part of of my line anymore, and it won't pass on to my children. If it already has, Lord, I pray that you'll break it, and you'll destroy it right now, that my children won't perpetuate that cycle. And so you just pray. that. I can write it down for you. The fruit, you, you the, the fruit will bear you. The only way that you'll know it is if, if uh, your generation down the line won't bear the fruit, they'll be righteous fruit, not addictive fruit. That's the only way that you're gonna, gonna know it. Now, it doesn't, it do, now, now you've got to be careful because it doesn't mean that your child won't sin, okay? Because uh, you, your child's gonna sin and alcohol might be part of their sinning, but the chances of them becoming addicted to that particular thing is far less because you've broken it. So if you don't break it, they've got a far greater chance of becoming addicted than if you've broken it. Okay. Compulsive exercising, compulsive rituals, gambling, shopping, horoscope consulting, compulsive tardiness, internet usage, time wasting, indecision, TV viewing, messiness, compulsive work. Look at that. Compulsive rituals. Do you have rituals that you do? You have to do these things. You've got to go and check the windows. Check the doors. Check the stove. Check the doors. Go and check the windows one more time. Check the door. Check the stove. Um, uh, Did I check the window properly? Go and check the window. Hey, Who does that? Come on. Yeah, whoa, there we go, yeah, Huh? Oh, did I switch the iron off? A, a man will never ask that question, eh? <laughs> did I switch the iron off? <laughs> yeah, 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 how do you switch it on? Where's the remote? <laughs> okay, compulsive indecision, have you ever had that? My wife, okay, she's not compulsive in, de- in, in decision, but I'll say to you, uh, do you feel like going to movies? Oh, I'm not sure. Do you feel like going? <laughs> so I ask you first. I ask you first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, compulsive in decision, they cannot make a decision. It's impossible. They just like. Phew. But can you see that the key word there is compulsive. It's something that happens all the time and you can see that pattern in your life. Just spend a bit of time alone with the Lord for a couple of hours and you'll just start picking out those things. Uh, Compulsive hand washing. Compulsive cleaning. Compulsive what? Yes, you're checking. Tardiness, time wasting. Messiness, indecision, internet usage, horoscope consulting. I mean, you need to, don't worry about breaking the compulsiveness of that. You just need to break the stuff. If you're looking at horoscopes, I mean, you need to just get rid of that straight away. Okay. But most of the time, if there's an addictive nature, if there's an addictive pattern in your life, it'll come out in all of that stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with watching TV. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with relaxing and, and doing nothing. Okay? But if you're doing that all the time, it's constant. Okay, how much work have you done today? Oh, uh, just a little bit. Yeah? You've had like the whole day and you've just done stuff that you, you, you've done like 10 minutes of work. Okay, stuff like that. Okay, next one. Hard habits. Destructive habits create an unhealthy emotional climate to have the pinched potential of damage to you and others. Next. Alcohol, drug abuse, over-controlling, anorexia, bulimia, profanity, verbal abuse, cheating, rage, codependency, self-abasement, gossip, slander, self-aggrandizement. Okay, alcoholism and drug abuse, over-controlling. Someone who wants to control everything. You are not control is? Perfectionism, okay? If you've got a, perf- a problem with perfectionism, it's a control issue, and a control issue is pride. That's all that it is. With all of this stuff, you've got to look for the root. And the majority of stuff there, over there, is pride. I mean, all of our sin is all about pride. That's the first sin. Satan. The second sin is blame. We blame everybody. it, It just came down the generations. Now, look at the generational thing. Look what happened to Abraham. Abraham goes down to Egypt. He stops off there. The Pharaoh comes and says, oh, what a nice woman you are. Abraham says, you can have her. Meantime, it's his wife. God appears to Pharaoh in the dream. He lies and he deceives. What happens to Abraham's son, Jacob? What does his name mean? Deceiver. A few chapters down the line in Genesis, he does exactly the same thing. He goes to Egypt, sees the Pharaoh, lies about his wife. The Pharaoh takes his wife, and the whole cycle perpetuates. And what happens? He has a son, and he does the same thing. And you know when that was broken in Jacob's life? When he wrestled with God. And God put his knee out, or his hip out, and he changed his name. And the only way that you're going to be set free from your addiction or your habit or your problem or whatever it is, is when you get down and you say, I'm not going to let go of God until I'm free. And it might cost you. It will cost you. It will cost you something. But better, let it be God's cost to your life than something that is out of your control. You bottom out and you end up in jail or you end up doing something stupid. Over-controlling, anorexia, bulimia, you know what anorexia is, bulimia, profanity and verbal abuse, constant verbal abuse, saying things uh, on purpose to hurt a person and whatever. Cheating, rage, codependency. God doesn't want us to be independent where we don't need anybody. He doesn't want us to be codependent where we cannot live without anybody. He wants us to be interdependent, where we are dependent on each other for certain things. Now, a codependent person is so attached to that person that they cannot live and do without them. That if anything happens to that person, they they themselves cease to exist. They don't have their own identity. They don't have their own sense of self. And they live through that person. And that often happens with addictive families. So if you've grown up in in an alcoholic home with a parent who's been an alcoholic, chances are that you're codependent or that you've got codependent tendencies. And if your children have grown up in that environment, your children will grow up codependent where they'll be emotionally dependent on other people. And the problem with that is is that they become emotionally dependent on destructive emotional people. Okay, Codependency is never healthy. Never. And if a person becomes emotionally attached to a person in a codependent way, it'll always be an unhealthy attachment. And they will always attach themselves to abusive men. That's why the woman will go around in a cycle like that. Why don't you just leave the guy? He beats you, he shouts at you, he swears at you, he does this, he does Just leave him. No, I can't. can't live without him. I counsel a woman often, and this, not often, but, well, it has happened often, is that a woman will come to my counseling room and they'll, they'll, they'll tell me about what's going on. And I'll say to him, listen, I think that you need to... Now, I don't, I don't advocate divorce, but sometimes I think the best thing is just get out. They say, I can't. Why not? I don't have anything of my own. I've got no money. I've got no job. I've got no qualifications. They've become so dependent on that man that they cannot exist without him. So they're stuck, in the, and the guy knows it. That's scary. Immorality, vulgar, self-mutilation, irresponsibility, lying, occult obsession, overeating, sexual addiction, pornography, stealing, tobacco, and violence. Self-mutilations like self-injury, where uh, uh, people cut themselves. Sorry. So. Self-mutilation is like when, when people cut themselves. So they'll use a sharp object to, to cut themselves. Uh, normally the, what they'll do is they'll cut underneath you so you can't see it, or inside the leg over here, or between the toes. One of the reasons they do that is to, um, to release intense emotion. And a person who self-mutilates or, or, or cuts themselves will tell you that as soon as they cut themselves and that blood comes out, that emotional pain that they're feeling is released instantaneously. So that's what they do. That's why they do it. They've got this intense pain. They don't know how else to express it and how else to talk about it or or whatever. They don't know how to verbalize it. So the way that they release that tension, someone will take drugs or alcohol. These guys will cut themselves. And it's not suicide. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rush, it kind of gets that, but then, then they become addicted to it too. Because it, it creates a certain amounts of emotional release. Remember, all addiction is what? Running away. Okay. And what does that do? It causes you to run away from God. Okay. That's what the devil wants. It changes your focus away from God because you say, God cannot love me. I'm too bad. I'm too addicted. I've got this thing. So we run away. We're hiding. And where, does that, where did that start? In the garden. Okay? We're perpetuating the cycle. Adam and Eve have sent a generational curse all the way down. And what do we do? We hide. We hide, we hide behind our masks. We pretend we're okay. I'm spiritually, how are you, brother? I oh, praise the Lord. I'm rejoicing. And meantime, there's stuff going on inside that I cannot talk to anybody about. I go home and I take a drug and I, I'm okay. Or I drink something or I look at pornography. I'm on the internet and I'm buying and I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And so we hide all that stuff away. And God wants to bring it out into the open. That's why God called Adam and Eve and said, come out. And they had clothed themselves with their own stuff like we do. We clothe ourselves with our own stuff. And God wants to take that off and clothe us with His righteousness and His purity and His stuff and His ability to overcome things so that we don't have to turn to that. Those legitimate needs that we need to have met, we can meet them in legitimate ways. We can have true intimacy and closeness. We don't need to look for it elsewhere. Next one. So there. Compulsive checklist. Are my thoughts consumed with it? Is my time scheduled around it? Could my health be harmed by it? Does my guilt increase following it? Are my finances affected by it? Am I defensive when asked about it? Are my relationships hurt by it? Am I upset when I can't do it? If you've ticked one of those, <laughs> you're history. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Yo, if you've ticked all of them, but I'll give you my card afterwards, okay? <laughs> okay, next one. Are you choosing to escape from anxiety, worry, guilt, boredom, depression? Next. Feeling controlled, shame, physical pain, insecurity, stress. From responsibility is the bottom. It slipped out. Next one. Misplaced dependence. your deepest longing is to have intimacy with God through a loving personal relationship with Him. God created each one of us with this desire to seek Him because He knows that anything else will ultimately fail. Controlled, uncontrolled habits often represent our own attempt to meet God, meet the God-given emotional need for love, significance, security through unhealthy dependence on people, things, or activities. That explains it. Eh? Okay. We're meeting legitimate needs in illegitimate way. We, uh, like Jeremiah said, we are carving our own systems out. God told him. Jeremiah, go and tell those guys. They're carving the answer and the assistance have got holes in. They can't carry the water. Come to me and I'll give you the water that lasts forever. Next one. Are you seeking to meet your inner need for unconditional love through sensual pleasure, like overeating? Your inner need for significance through achievement. And are you seeking to meet your inner need for security through other people, codependency? Okay. Love, significance, and security. Next one. Wrong beliefs. This makes me feel better, and besides, I deserve it. That last piece of chocolate. A lot of people do this. After all, no one is perfect. There's a uh, we use that one a lot. Eh? Yeah, I'm not the only one that does this. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at least, uh, you know, often men will say to me when they come, their wives tell them they need to speak to me because of pornography. This is, that'll be their answer. Uh, the answer. Something like. Um, yeah, but at least I'm not uh, sleeping around, you know. I'm at home looking at pornography on the internet. It's better than, I say, dude, come on. I mean, really? I mean, is that is that all you got? Seriously? Eh? I mean, if that's your argument, you know, then we this is going to take us longer than you expect because I always say this. You know, a woman will, um, a wife will phone me up and say to me, uh, can you find my husband uh, because he's addicted to pornography, and, and you need to speak to him. I say, no, I won't find your husband. Why not? I said, no, he's got to phone. See, he's got to take responsibility because the first key to anything is you have to admit that you've got a problem. And you have to admit that that problem is out of your control. If you cannot admit that, I won't help you. I refuse to help you because you, you, you're, going, you're wasting your time. I spent a year, one of the first counseling cases I had when I first started, I spent a year with a man, a Christian guy who was addicted to pornography. And the first three months, he, he just refused to acknowledge that it was a problem, that it was an issue. And you can quote all the scriptures. The Bible says that you need to be pure and you need to think, you know, all that stuff. Right? Still, uh, blinded. But we've got to admit that we've got a problem. Okay, I really can't help it. This habit is caused, is caused by my past. Yeah, that's true. It is. But don't kind of use that as an excuse to carry on with your behavior. I've tried to quit but continue to fail, so why even try? Next. I can control this anytime. I'll think about changing tomorrow. Yeah, I think I've said that one myself. <laughs> I don't want to try to quit and risk finding out I have no control. Isn't that the one? I, can't con- I can control this any time. The minute someone says that to me, I say to them, okay, well, I tell you what. If, if you say that, I, c- I can stop tomorrow. I'm not addicted. I can stop smoking tomorrow. I say, well, why don't you do it then? Why haven't you done it? How many times have you stopped smoking? tried to stop smoking? I uh, several. well, why haven't you done it? If it's so easy, why haven't you done it? Yeah, smoke a lighter cigarette, (laughs) yeah. Or drink a light beer, don't drink that. Yeah. You see, you, you see, you're just switching addictions, or you're switching your addictive pattern. That's all you're doing. You say a guy says, "No, I'm not taking drugs, but I'll smoke." I say, "You're just addicted. You're still addicted." That's the the issue. Isn't whether you're taking drugs, or you you are st- you, taking cocaine, or you're smoking uh, dacha, or you're smoking a cigarette. That's that's not the issue. It's not the it's not the severity of the drugs or the stuff you're taking. It's the addictive pattern that's in your life that's causing to you to use addictive. Coping mechanisms, that's what you've got to break. It's not the, the cocaine or the, 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 the specific drug that you're using isn't the issue. The issue is the addictive pattern. And you can stop taking drugs and you can stop drinking alcohol, but you'll go to somewhere else if you don't deal with the root issue. But let's get to that. Next one. Right beliefs. There we go. I want to take responsibility for my behaviour. My deepest desire to please God, not myself. I can overcome a bad habit with a good habit. I have the spirit of Christ living in me to help me. I can yield to Christ's control through me. My new habit will be to reflect the character of Jesus. Count yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ. Next. You can't sow a bad habit and reap a good character. You can't sow lying and reap tr- trustworthiness. You can't sow negative words and reap positive relationships. You can't sow unforgiveness and reap forgiveness. You can't sow neglect of God and reap the peace of God. You see, one thing that I've, I've, the Lord, I really believe because this, I, I would never have thought this of this myself. So it must have been the Lord. But I really had a, a bit of a, like a light bulb moment, where I realised that you know. We actually need to be mo- a lot more intentional in our behavior, in our marriage, and in our children. Because we want a certain result, okay? You look at it like in business. You want a certain result. And if you didn't get that result last year, what do you do? You, you look for ways to remedy that. But why don't we do that with our kids and with our marriage? You know what happens with marriages? It's like your car. You're driving your car, you hear a knock. You say, uh, "I'll leave it; it'll go away." Keep on going, and the knock gets worse. And eventually, your exhaust pipe falls off. Got to take, tow it to the garage. It costs you thousands of rands. Who would do that? No one would do that. <laughs> the minute it starts knocking, you take your car and get it sorted out. But we don't do that with our marriages. We hear the knocking. We hear our wife talking or our husband moaning about something, and we leave it. Uh, it'll go away. I'll just ignore it, you know. If I out of sight, out of mind, and then what happens? It's a crisis. You end up in the counselling room, and then sometimes it's too late. You at that stage, you don't have the emotional capacity or the emotional uh, uh, capacity you are to deal with that stuff, and it takes ages to get back on track again. And so we need to be more intentional. If you, I say to people, do you want a good marriage? No, I don't, want to, I don't want a good marriage. I want a fantastic marriage. I want a great marriage. And I've got a great marriage. And it, it, it can get better. I know that it can. But I don't want to be satisfied with, but I'm intentional. But, so I'm not going to, I can't expect my marriage to go from here to there just by sitting back and expecting, oh, well, God will do it. I pray for my wife every day. I pray for my kids every day. I pray for my children. They're nine and seven. I pray for their husbands. I pray that their husbands will be godly, that my children will grow up godly. I speak and I pray blessing over them every single day. I do stuff for my wife. I speak words into my wife's life so that I know that at some stage it's going to bear fruit in their lives. So I've got to be more intentional. We've got to be more intentional about our lives. We've got to start sowing now so that we reap there. What we've done is we've sowed all this negative stuff in our lives and now we're reaping it. And sometimes some of the stuff has been sowed into your life that shouldn't have been. It was sowed in there by other people, parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters and whatever. And now you're reaping some of that stuff. But you can break it and you can start sowing intentionally, sowing into your life. Sowing into your life by getting up in the morning and having a quiet time. And praying and reading your Bible and spending time with God and coming to church and praise and worship and all of that because you're intentionally doing something because you want a result because it's going to bear fruit later. You can't expect to be a strong Christian if you're just going to stay, oh, well, I'll watch TV in. <laughs> well, I, uh, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. There's that excuse, eh? I'll, read it. I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll start, I'll start having a quiet time tomorrow. Never comes. Okay, next one. Right, basic human needs, just keep on going. Nurturing, this is what we need. Identity, which gives you self esteem, which then gives you a sense of achievement, which gives you significance, which then gives you unconditional love and acceptance, which gives you security. And, and so, no, sorry, go back, there we go. Okay. So those are the basic needs. Nurturing, identity, achievement, unconditional love. And, and that needs to be happening in your life. We need to be saying that into our kids' lives. Into, in, and it's not too late to do that. Even if your kids are grown up, you can still do that. You can make it right. Because see, what happens, we, what we do, what happens with our kids, and, and, and what happens in our lives is that, do you know what a sea, a sea urchin is, eh? Or whatever. You touch that little thing in the center and it closes up. And it spits out poison get away the enemy. Now what happens to our lives and our kids' lives is, is we constantly at them and ah, 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 and we're doing this to them and it closes them up. So what happens our children have got a closed spirit now and then we think that by uh, disciplining them and, and uh, you know taking stuff away and it's going to open that up No, it's not going to open it up. We need to ask them for forgiveness we need to tell them we're sorry for speaking to them like that. I remember saying to my children, uh, I've, got a, I've got an issue with, it, with my temper. So I can be harsh. So I was harsh. And my, my little girls are soft. They're like their mother. Thank the Lord for that. <laughs> they even look like their mother. Praise the Lord for that. <laughs> so I was harsh and my little girl was crying. So I went to and I said, look, I'm sorry for saying that. I apologize. I apologize for speaking in that tone of voice to you. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And both of them, oh, it's okay, we're you. So about three weeks later, I was on this thing again, and I, <coughs> I let rip, and I realized I'd done wrong. But I, I just let it ride a bit because they were in bed, and I went back to apologize. And just before I did, my, my oldest daughter said to me, Dad, were you really cross with us, or were you um, making a mistake again? <laughs> so I said I was making a mistake, and I'm sorry. No, it's okay, it's fine. And so I've, and, and so far, uh, so now my little girls hold me accountable, which is great, because now it helps me to say, oh, hold on a second. Before I say that, I need to watch out. I need to be careful. Now I've got to be intentional, because in, unintentionally I'm sowing destruction into their lives by being aggressive. Nah. But now if I'm intentional, I can sow peace and grace into their lives. Okay, so I'm nurturing. I want to create a strong sense of identity, which gives me a strong sense of self-esteem. I want to have achievement, which gives me a sense of significance and security. Now, there's self-esteem, significance, security, the three S's. Paramount importance in anybody's life. We all need to have a sense of significance. That's why we go for all the little things, the titles and the cars and the houses and the way we dress. We need to feel significant. Men get their significance in their jobs. Women get their significance in relationships. That's why statistics will tell you that when a man gets divorced, he won't be as cut up as he would be if he lost his job. Okay, I'm not saying that a man won't feel that, he'll be hurt. It's true. That's what statistics tell you. Okay, Men take it much harder because it, it tackles their sense of significance and their identity. Women get their identity through relationships. Most women are codependent. Okay? Men don't struggle that much with codependency. They'll go to the other extreme with anger and aggression, whatever. Okay? And so you want to develop that, that self-esteem, the sense of identity, the sense of significance. Now, if you speak to people in a way that takes away the self-esteem, the significance and security, you'll close their spirit up. And so the way to open it up is to ensure that you're developing their self-esteem, their significance, and their security by making them feel safe, by not talking about divorce in front of the kids, by not fighting in front of the kids. Now, sometimes it'll happen. It, that's just, it happens. But where we can not do that, we try. Because you want to create a strong... I remember reading about this and working this out, and I, th- I went to my wife and I said, check this: self-esteem, significance, security. I, uh, you know, when you speak to people, you got to make sure that when you're speaking to them, you're building their significance up and their self-esteem. Man, not even 15 or 20 minutes later, we had this rip-roaring fight. And everything I said tore down her self-esteem, her significance, and her security. And I was in the shower and the Lord said to me, I had you stop showering, put a towel on, go and apologize. I'm sorry for saying that. I mean, right after the, yeah, you got to be so Okay. So we want to build up each other's identity, achievement, unconditional love and nourishing. And I can guarantee you now, without a doubt, every single one of you sitting here tonight, if you've got a problem with addiction, you'll have struggled with somewhere. Someone didn't build your self-esteem up. They didn't give you a sense of significance. They didn't give you a sense of security. It was all taken away from you in whatever way. And so we all then start to meet those needs for identity, achievement, love, and nurturing through illegitimate needs. Next. Okay. Now, this is the key. Some of you have seen this before. But the traumatic event happens. There it says, lack of love or no nurturing, abuse, word curses, generational bondage, neglect, betrayal, rejection. Now, word curses is someone that says, you stupid or you're ugly or you whatever. Okay, I was called goggle-out fish paste when I was a kid because I had glasses. Now, it's not funny. It's still very funny. <laughs> And, you know, you know, when you're growing up, your, your body develops t- t- totally differently. And I, I think, well, that's what everybody said. I had a long nose. So I was so terrified that, that people would mock me about this nose. So I would, I would have visions in my head of walking in, into a room and people saying, ah, oh, Steve's here, because they see my nose coming first. <laughs> and I, yo, I struggled with that. I had such a, a, a self-esteem problem when it came to the way that I... I, I used to be too scared to get on a bus. Because I, I don't know how many of you remember this, only a, A few around my age bracket. Remember when you get on the bus there, you'd put that ticket in there, that little machine. But inevitably, as you put that ticket in, the bus would take off. So you'd go like this, yes, and you'd miss that ticket and you'd be going. And I was terrified of that. Because everybody was looking at me. Now, obviously, because the bus is going that way and everybody, but I, I would be so, I would be too scared to go in the shop because I'd have visions of myself walking. I literally had these visions in my head. Walking into the shop, I'd see myself walking and I'd trip over the step and everybody would laugh. And that held me in such bondage for years. I had a couple of girlfriends and I, and I never broke up with any of them. They all broke up with me. Now, what, what does that do to your self-esteem? You're totally rejected. I suffered with rejection all of my life. And that's what happens, that rejection. And rejection is a terrible thing. And then no nurturing. So the the word curses, people that say stuff over you, that speak that stuff over you all the time. And it becomes a reality to you. Lack of love. No one loves you. No one says, I love you, you're special. You know, men, boys need from their fathers. They need to be told that they've got what it takes. So the boy will run and he'll climb a tree and say, check me dad, watch me, check far I can jump, look how high I can, whatever. And you like saying, get down from that tree, don't, whatever. The boys do that. They, the, the dad needs to say, I'm proud of you, give him a hug, you know, and stuff like that. If the son doesn't get that, he develops a, a, a hard spirit. Now think about this. Why is it that the only emotion that is acceptable for a man to express is anger. If you can express anger and you can hit and fight, you're a man. But if you cry and hug your son, you're a morphe. Why is that? Exactly. We need to change that. And the girls need to know from their dad that they're special, they're beautiful. And that they're worth chasing. And you, as the dad, are gonna guard their heart. I tell you, when I before I got married, my father-in-law said to me, If you do anything to hurt my daughter, tears streaming down his eyes, my mother-in-law's crying, my wife to be crying, my father-in-law is saying to me, If you do anything to hurt my daughter, I'll hunt you down and I'll kill you. <laughs> and you're serious. And they're all crying, and my mother-in-law is saying, oh, and, and my father-in-law says to her, I don't cry, just see it as, as, as a, 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 a gaining a son. She says, I don't want a son, I want my daughter. <laughs> Rejection. Yeah, yeah. Kids uh, get fr- Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> No. From their mothers, they'll get they'll get very similar things, except that the mother will the mother will be the nurturing, caring, soft, gentle. The father will be the the tough, hard. You see, my view is that the father should be the disciplinarian, the main disciplinarian. Doesn't mean that the mother can't discipline. <laughs> okay, no pointing fingers, eh? Uh, but the father should be the main disciplinarian, okay? And hiding should be in your, your discipline structure, but should be down there. It shouldn't be the only thing that you, you know, just smacking your kids. That shouldn't be the only thing, okay? I believe that we do need to discipline our kids in that way, but it needs to be part of a, a, a total discipline structure. But the male needs to be the one that's firm and strong with that, because who does the, who does the boy or the girl, when they scared at night, who do they cry for mostly? Mom. I say, mommy, mommy, or if they fall and they hurt any, they run to mommy first because mommy's the care, carer, the caregiver, the nurturer and stuff. And they're the ones that will encourage them and build them up and say, you can do it, go for it, I love you, you're special and all that. But the father needs to do that too. If the father doesn't do that, they grow up with a distorted image of themselves, especially the male. They'll grow up with, because they need to have a strong male to be able to, to reflect against and see what masculinity is about. If the father is absent, they can't do that. And then they, they, they bounce back from the father to the mother. And then they overdevelop the feminine side of their psyche, which causes a whole lot of other problems. Or they suppress the feminine side of their psyche and they become too masculine. So they become uh, aggressive and angry and uh, rage. And you look at most of our I men, they like it. Because their fathers were absent and they suppressed the feminine side. Because they didn't want to be morphies. So they, so they become tough and rough and they become bouncers and boxers and fighters and street fighters and cage fighters. All those guys, I can guarantee you now that they've all got problems with their fathers. Guaranteed. Okay, next story, I'm going on here. Next one. Okay, there's unhealed hurts. Next. Unmet needs. Unresolved issues. Okay. An unhealed hurt is birthed when something that should not have happened to you in your life did. So someone did something to you that they shouldn't have done. Okay? So something happened. Abuse. uh, Physical abuse. Sexual abuse. Rejection. Whatever. Next one. An unmet need is birthed when something positive that should have happened to you didn't. So nurture, love, touch, affectionate touch, healthy touch for your father to hug you. My dad never hugged me. I, I remember having a motorbike accident. I, my leg was trashed. I was lying on the thing. Who rema- have who, who you here ever read the second Lulamore books? Yeah, you know, the Lunamar books, yeah, Sackett, the Sackett brothers, remember, those tough, my dad and I, that was the only connection we had, was those, those two cowboys, the Sackett brothers, because they were the tough guys. And we used to read each other's stories, that was the only, otherwise my dad hardly ever spoke to me. Uh, so I had this motorbike accident, there I'm lying on the road, the ambulance comes, they put me in there, what does my dad say to me? He taps me on the leg, on the good leg, not the sore leg, and he says, remember the Sacketts. That's just what he was saying to me. So you're saying to me, Yo, cowboys don't go. He's saying be tough. But that's what he said. That's now men, boys need their fathers to say, Come, I'm proud of you. I'm glad you're my son. If there was no one else in the world, you would be my son. You know, and stuff like that. Boys need to hear that from their dad. They need to hear that you can do it, my boy. I'm with you. I'll help you. I'll whatever. Okay. So when that doesn't happen. And when there's no healthy touch from your father and with your daughter, there's healthy touch so that your daughter learns that there's healthy touch. It's comfortable. It's safe. Men are safe. She needs to learn that. Next. Unresolved issues birth out of the ensuing anger and confusion about why the other two have happened. Okay, next. Keep on going. Keep on going. Plug it away. Plug it away. Okay. When there's unhealed hurts, unresolved issues, unmet needs that happen, then we've got the, the, the layer there. Self-control, self-reliance, self-protection, self-centeredness, self-defense. It's our, our, our bottom-line defense system. It's what we start using to defend and keep ourselves safe. We start looking after number one. And what happens? We turn from God. We turn to ourselves. Building our own systems. Digging our own stuff. Next one. Okay, then the ne- that's the next layer unhealed hurts, fear, distrust, doubt, pain, hidden agendas, unforgiveness, insecure, resentment, confusion, anger, pain, fear, wrong, neediness, wrong, da, 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 da. Now look at that, fear, pain, fear, pain, fear, pain. Now look at those. If you have got any problems there, if you've got unforgiveness, or if you're insecure, or you've got anger, or you've got a a sense of neediness, or fear or pain, or any of those, that'll tell you exactly where you are. If you've got a problem with fear and pain, all of those three have happened to you. If you've got a problem with doubt or unforgiveness, then in all probability you've got a lot of unhealed hurts in your life that need to be healed. Unhealed hurts need to be healed, unmet needs need to be met, and unresolved issues need to be resolved. You need to keep short accounts with people. Resolve your issues as soon as possible. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Resolve the issue. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Stay up and fight. <laughs> no. Okay, next. Keep on going. Oh, it's changing. Go. Keep on going. Okay, it's going to do it again. Okay, there we go. Okay, can you see what's happening? It's just going up. Okay, so now you have got those uh, those issues there, which then lead to that because the the, the bottom ones, the fear, the distrust, and that, are your defense mechanisms. Anger is a defense mechanism. And anger expresses itself in two ways. Anger expresses itself in depression, which is anger turned inwards. And anger expresses itself in uh, aggression, which is anger turned outwards. Okay. So if you've got a person who's aggressive, you've got a problem with anger, and he's turning it outward. If a person's depress, depressed, they're angry at themselves. Okay. So now keep uh, just keep it back again, please okay drugs alcohol the 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 bottom ones the unforgiveness and that are your defense mechanism the top ones are your coping mechanism it's what you your choice of addiction that you use to help yourself cope so whatever that is there that's what you're using to help yourself cope and deal with the pain inside and that follows it all the way down. So you've got unmet needs, unresolved issues, and unhealed hurts. Okay. Or is it the other way around? Whichever way. Okay, so it's one of those. But it's the unresolved issues definitely in the center. Okay, so if you had to look at say, okay, I've got a problem with uh, soul ties or sexual gratification. I've got a problem with pornography or I sleep around or my relationships are all crazy, then there's that stuff going on there. If I've got a problem with being rigid and legalistic and perfectionism, I've got unresolved issues. If I've got drugs, alcohol and medicines, then I've got unmet needs in my life that need to be met. And I'm using that to do that. Okay, next one. Okay, and then we use that. So we use logic, reasoning, arguments, wrong attitudes, wrong motives, wrong patterns of thinking, justify. We justify. We deny. We d- become defensive. I don't have a drug problem. I'm not, I, don't, I don't have a drinking problem. Yeah. I can give it up any We become defensive about... Uh, anytime a person becomes defensive, there's issues there that they need to deal with, not only around the addiction, but around their self-esteem, and around um, their sense of significance. Okay, next. Okay, we're nearing the end. Rejection. Keep on going. Just keep on pumping it out. There we go. Okay. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have all of those things, but there'll be something if there's a problem with rejection. Now, the, 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 the difficulty with rejection, rejection is that rejection is often a perceived thing by the person who feels rejected. Okay, I'll give you an example. When I was four years old, my mother and father were on their way to the hospital to give birth to my sister. And uh, as they were going out the door, I was crying. I was four years old. I was crying, and I said to my mom, I don't want a little sister. And my mom and dad laughed. At me, and that, as a four-year-old, caused huge rejection. Now that's that's perceived because my parents weren't rejecting me, but it became a rejection for me that I carried until I was about twenty-six or seven. I couldn't never talk about that situation without crying. It was impossible. It was so hurtful until someone prayed with me and we went through a whole uh, um, inner healing prayer and stuff like that, and it was healed. And in fact, the memory used to be so intense in my mind and often used to just come out of nowhere and make me feel, uh, yuck. And now that memory's faded. And the only, the, only way, the, well, the only reason I've still got that memory in my head is because I talk about it. But if I didn't talk about it, it's, it's fading away. And that's what God does when he heals it. And Jesus comes in. And he heals that, and he walks into that pain, and he meets you at that need, he'll heal it, and he'll take that pain away, and the memory of that will disappear. So if there's issues there, you'll probably find that somewhere along the line, there's been some kind of rejection. Now all of us will have suffered some kind of rejection at some stage in our lives. It's impossible that you haven't. Okay? Because our, our, our parents are human, our brothers and sisters are human, the people that we've gone out with and dated are human, all of that kind of stuff. We would have suffered some kind of rejection at some stage. Now, the biggest one is the fear of attachments, the inability to give or to receive love. And that you'll find that even when a person gets married, they can't attach themselves. So they, they will give themselves a little bit to the person and then will draw. And you'll, you'll, you'll see that in the relationship, their marriage isn't happy okay, their, their sex life isn't very good, okay, and even when they do have sex, it's not very intimate, okay, there's, no, there's, there's something missing there, because se- sex is one of the most vulnerable places that you're at, and when you expose yourself to that person, your, your innermost being to that other person, you become too vulnerable, so you withdraw, those emotions and those feelings and you refuse to go any further and the other person can pick it up. If a person doesn't like to be touched, okay, just hugged, come here, let me give, if they like uh, rejection and I can bet you now that probably happened at birth. This is what happens. A child is born and, and the doctor gives it to the mother and the mother says, no, no, I don't want the child now. Because there's a second child coming, okay, having twins or whatever, and the mother doesn't know. And they, they give birth to a second child. And the first child that was given to them re- received rejection. Because you've got to understand that they, when you speak those words, you speak to the child's spirit. You don't speak to their emotions and their cognitive understanding because that hasn't developed yet. But the, the child's spirit is fully developed at birth okay? because they're conscious of God at that stage. So that gets totally rejected, and that's where the spirit wound comes in, and that needs to be healed. Okay, next one. Okay, now let me, let me explain to you what happens here. That, same with rejection. The rejection and the bitterness, those are the roots Those other little things around him are the fruit. Okay. Same with when those those uh, other things that we saw with the overeating and the sex and the fear and the pain. That's the fruit. The root is the unhealed, unmet needs. And unresolved issues. Now the problem is that we focus on this stuff. So a, problem's got, a person's got a problem with anger. What do we do? We pray against the anger. And we quote scriptures. And we help them. And, and give them ways to control the anger. And you know, uh, count to ten. And hold your breath. And go for a walk. Da, 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 da. All that kind of stuff. But actually that's not the issue. The issue is that they've got a root of bitterness that needs to be dealt with. Because the anger is coming out of that. Now what happens when you've got a tree? You don't like the fruit. You cut the fruit of what happens? The fruit grows back. You can even chop the tree down. It may not grow back straight away, but it will eventually come back. What you've got to do? You've got to get to the root. You've got to dig that root out and burn it. And that's what needs to happen, is we need to get to the root. So in my counseling, I don't focus solely on the issue. So the person comes, I've got a drug problem. Okay, that's fine. Okay, but let's find what is the root. Because the drug issue is actually just the fruit. Of something. You're running away. You're trying to hide what you're trying to hide from. What is there? an unmet need, an unhealed hurt, and unresolved issue. So let's find what that is there. Because when we find what the root is, the fruit will disappear by itself. And God will show us. So what happens is people come to me. I give them a 17-page booklet, which they've got to fill in, which covers your whole life. You go through that. And I go through that with you. And we pray. And we pray Jesus into those areas. And Jesus highlights those areas. The Holy Spirit highlights those areas. And then we pray specifically into that. Sometimes we'll pray broad, because God can just do it however he wants. And sometimes he'll lead us to pray specific. I want you to pray for this specific issue. Okay, let's pray. Then I'll talk about it. What happened there? Tell me a little bit more about this. And then I'll regress with that person. I'll go back to that event and ask him to, to work through it. Okay. So we get to the root For too long now, we've focused on the fruits. And so what happens is is we we end up with people who are going for counseling over long periods of time, and eventually they just give up because it's not helping. It's, It's not as effective. And so you've got Christians who are still being for counseling, but they're still ineffective in their walk. They haven't grown spiritually. Why? Because there's a root there that needs to be taken out. Okay, next one. Okay, last slide. Keep on going. Okay, that's what happens. Because you've experienced so much love and hurt, there's fear that attaches, so you build a wall around yourself, which keeps that in, the inability to give or to receive love, which keeps people at bay. You protect yourself, Okay? So you're you angry or you, you take drugs or alcohol to, to kind of mask all of that, to keep it out and stuff. But the problem is it also keeps God's love out. And sometimes because God's love is all-powerful and can penetrate, and sometimes it will penetrate and you'll feel, but you'll, you'll experience God's presence and His love intermittently, kind of just up and down every now and again. And you'll go from hill to valley to hill to valley, and there's no consistent walk and journey of growing in God. I'll take a little dip, but i keep on growing. But no, it's like this all the time. It's up and down. Because I've I've got that wall around me. Because I've got to protect myself. Because no one else is going to do it. The main caregivers in my life let me down. They rejected me. They abused me. They did all that kind of stuff. So my my reflection of God comes from my reflection of my father. So if my father was a horrible, a hurtful, hateful man, I'm going to see the same. I'm going to reflect that straight on to God. I'm going to just see God like that. And so what we've got to do is we've got to take that wall away and realize that the fear might still be there, but I can deal with that fear. I can pray through that fear. I can get healed. I can get, be delivered. I can be set free. My needs can be met. My issues can be resolved. And so that I, when I start to love, the hurt might be there, but I can deal with that hurt because I'm dealing it with God. God's on my side and I can I can sense that. I know that he's there. It's not just something that I I I know in my head because my pastor told me or I've heard it so many times in church and people have said to me that God is always with you. And I even know the scripture that says that. But no, 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 it's a reality. Because I, I just in my my spirit is connecting with that. There's no wall that's blocking. How difficult it is if, if you were all sitting in that cry room or that little office over there and I was talking. You wouldn't hear what I'm saying. Because there's a wall between us. You might be able to see me and you might be able to kind of make out what I'm saying. But the message wouldn't be clear. And that's what happens with us and God. There's this wall there. And we see God as a hazy thing. And, and all of our perceptions and our experiences kind of mask what we're seeing. It's like Discolored sunglasses. And that's how we see God and we hear this distorted voice coming down. We need to break that wall down so that when God speaks, it's clear. And it's real. And it impacts us and changes us. And when we respond to Him, it become it comes from our spirit, not from our flesh, because I have gotta impress God and I gotta I gotta just do it. Okay, that's all I've got to say. Any questions? Any Before we close, yes.